every single morning, really, truly, almost every single morning, my parents went through the same routine. My mother would wake up early, and I can't really tell you how early. It was early, early. She would wake up early, and she would start to do the things of her day. It always started with devotions and prayer. Every once in a blue moon, I would get up, and I'd see her in our living room at one of our lazy boy recliners, and she'd be kneeled down, and she was praying. Happened every single morning. And she would start her routine for the day, and that meant different things of cleaning, different things that she'd organize in the kitchen and get things set in the house so that it was ready for the day. And then, still early, but not really that early, it was time for my father to wake up. And the same thing happened almost every single day. My mom would go to the refrigerator, she opened a big thing of Diet Coke, she'd fill a glass of Diet Coke to the brim, and then she would meet, yes, yeah, she would meet my, my father bedside with that glass of Diet Coke and hand it to him as he woke up in the morning. Do you know how many mornings I've woken up and my wife Julie has delivered Mountain Dew to my bedside? (laughs) Not even once, right? Yeah, that's never happened. (laughs) If you think my dad had a good, he definitely did. And I'm not gonna say that my dad served more than my mom, but I do want you to know that while he had a good he still invested in the relationship and he served. And there was unity. There was a partnership. There was a team in their marriage. And that example was set for our households and the relationships around us. My dad did that. He sacrificed in different ways. Maybe the biggest one, my dad was, of course, in charge of the television, specifically the TV remote. He was in, in charge of that. That was his right and responsibility. It's why I grew up watching so much Matlock and Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, yeah. I have the Walker, Texas Ranger theme song still up here, In the Eyes of a Ranger. The, um, yeah, okay. So it's, it's still right there. I've watched way too much of that. But what was amazing is even though that was kind of his thing, My mother still had the right at any point in time if she thought something wasn't right to veto the show, to just say, this is done. And she even had the right to kind of speak into it. It's how somehow we would end up watching Hallmark movies. I don't know how, but somehow that would would still happen. Has has a husband ever sacrificed more in their life, right, than, than that? My parents did what I believe was a very wonderful thing. Growing up, I got to see that they were not perfect, but... They had something that uh, is found less and less and less in the world today. They created a household that was united, that worked in harmony, and that was, and, and this is key for us today, not just a Christian household, but a household that sought in its relationships, whatever they were, husband to wife, parent to child, aunt to uncle, wherever in that, right, they sought to be Christ-like. They, they, sought to see what would Jesus Christ do in this relationship, what values and virtues does he have, and to apply those to those relationships that they lived in. We recognize one of the biggest issues in our culture, community, and even our church right now is the threat to our households. And when we say households, yes, there are moments in this time together, we're going to talk about marriage, but, but this is everything. And so this is all of us here, whatever relationships that you have and you participate in, the households that you are a part of, this is you. So for those of us right now who are in a marriage relationship and, and, and we find the stress and struggles that come with that sometimes, for those of us who are our parents and we have children, we have adult children, right? And that's interesting. I'm not there yet, but I, I can see that that's going to be fun, right? Fun. Those of us who are adult children and we have parents and that's fun, right? And all of those relationships around us, brother to sister, sibling, to our cousins and beyond, here in our church, we recognize that relationships 
And those roles that we play in these relationships are incredibly important. And we recognize that households in those relationships, they are under attack. As a previous family ministries pastor, this is a, this is a threat that I saw firsthand. I could see the value of when a household was united, when they were in it for each other, what that could speak into young people's, into everyone's lives, that foundation. But I could see just the opposite though too. The desire to speak into a young person's life but recognize that I could only do so much if we couldn't bring healing to the household that they were a part of, right? This is really important for each and every one of us. Our mission in this time together this morning is to empower ourselves and and the current and future households, whatever part we play, to empower that that we are a part of. Through the scripture that was read, Ephesians 5, 21 to 33, we see not just a Christian, but we see a Christ-like household and what that can look like. We will be challenged in our time together to bring the nature, the quality of Jesus Christ to whatever household, to whatever relationship that we are a part of. May we recognize the truth of that. We want to have a Christ-like household. And I want you to hear this. God created the family unit, right? God created it. And he wants this for you. So whatever situation you are in right now, whatever relationship that you partake in, and maybe you look and say, there's a lack of health, it's just not right, we're not unified. God wants that unity for you. And trust me when I say you can find that in your relationships. God wants it for you. He created us for this. And that can be your truth. That can be your story. We can have Christ-like households that heal, encourage, empower, and are based in unity together. Now, we recognize that the passage we read this morning is not a story. I love Bible moments that are stories, right? But this is not that This is a moment in the book of Ephesians. So what is that? Well, this is Paul writing a letter to the people, to the Christians of a place called Ephesus, the Ephesians. So he's writing this letter to them and he's giving them instructions about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And so these are Paul's words to the Christians of Ephesus. This is a letter. Now I recognize that as you heard that scripture read, some of you might've recognized it a little bit and some of you might've had feelings about that and that's okay. While we are approaching a heavy topic this morning, we are also approaching one of the heaviest pieces of scripture that has been like misused throughout all of time, right? Some of you probably heard that being read and you, you had one of two responses. Maybe you were like, oh, this is great. Let's see what he does with this. This is going to be fun. Or you maybe took it as like a little bit of an attack and you were like, hmm, I'm already starting to tune out. What is he going to do in this moment? I am not excited about this. Well, let's have a conversation in these moments together and really ask ourselves, what is Paul trying to share, not just the Ephesians, but specifically with us today? What should we gain from this? And hopefully you keep your heart open to what we have. As we study this, I want to encourage you to join me in repeating three key words. So I'm going to say one and then you say it back to me. Is that okay? Let's lock these truths away. The first one is submission, Submission. selfishness, Selfishness. and sacrifice. Submission, selfishness, and sacrifice, we're going to address those today. Now, as we look at this passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians, we find Paul speaking to these Christians about how to live like Jesus Christ, to find Jesus' giving, serving, sacrificing nature. 
We recognize as we read this passage, as with all of Scripture, we have to be careful with it, right? We recognize that Scripture was written in a time period, at a certain moment, and so we can't just pull any little piece of Scripture that we may want to out and have it say what we want it to mean, right? We've got to be careful with that. I am a New York Jets fan. This is my cross to bear, okay? There has been a lot of crying in my life, a lot of hard and difficult moments, a lot of suffering for the past 10 or 39 years of my life, right? It's, it's pretty much all been suffering. I can't look at scripture where it says that Jesus wept and be like, clearly what Jesus was crying about the Jets too, right? Like, like, yes, Jesus wept. It means he has compassion. He has that nature, but... Well, I'd like to believe that if Jesus was, was with us right now, he would be a Jets fan, right? Like, he probably would, right? Maybe not, whatever. But, like, but obviously, Jesus wasn't crying about the New York Jets. we got to be careful with that. So as we approach this scripture, let us understand what's happening in this moment. The first verse of the passage is verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Depending on what your Bible does, if you have it open, you might notice that that verse kind of is like moved around a little bit in scripture. In some Bibles, that that verse is actually thrown into like a previous paragraph under a different heading. For other pieces of scripture, it's now, it's, it's included with all the scripture that we just read in one nice package under its own heading. I want you to know that this was originally written by Paul as a letter, and so it was all just one big flow, right? Like these divisions and those, those headings, they weren't there originally. We put them there with our own thoughts, and so that's the case here. We recognize that this is all of one continual letter and thought from Paul. And in fact, as we come into this verse in verse 21, we're actually at, in kind of Paul's letter, we're in part four of four already. So understanding the original writing here and understanding that, we see that Paul is, is sharing and he wants us to understand how to live like Jesus Christ. And so already he has spoken about how to live like Jesus Christ in how we speak and then in how we worship and then in how we give thanks. And so we're in this fourth point, actually, where he's talking to how we live like Jesus Christ in relationship with one another, specifically to them most clearly in their households. And so I say all of that mouthful to say everything we read comes under the heading of verse 21 and it needs to be kept in that understanding. We are all, in all our relationships and in our households and where we are, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are seeking to be like Jesus Christ and we want our households to be like that. So may we submit to one another as Jesus Christ submitted and sacrificed for all of us. God, we ask that you would bless our households. God, bless the relationships that are present here, here in person and online. May we seek to live in relationship under the example of Jesus Christ. May our hearts seek to be like his in how we love and care for each other. Amen. My children, specifically my boys, have reached an age in life where everything is a competition. Everything is a competition. Everything seems to be a race to do something. And so there is this race, right? Race to who gets to dad first. That happens all the time. It's super great. They have races to see who touched the car first, who ate their donut first, who annoyed their parents first, right? Like all of these races that naturally happen. This is nothing new though. We have all been struggling with this, right? From the first chicken to the first egg. We all wanna know who or what or what's first. 
My wife and I have this kind of battle. We don't race around our house to be the first one to touch the kids or the microwave or anything like that. That doesn't happen. But we have our own competition, which is really about who came first, right? We have this competition about whose day was longer. Anyone else have this competition ever? Like It's like this little battle of like who had the longer day, right? And we, it's still a struggle of, of who came first or who is first. We are always worried about who is first. We saw it from Jesus' disciples, right? They asked Jesus, who is first among us? Who gets to sit next to you? Who Jesus is greatest? As we look at this passage and we we see all these details, one of the things that comes most to our minds is we always want to first go into it and have that question about who is first in households, in relationships, who should be first, who is first. In our premarital counseling, my wife, Julie, and I, we were told directly that someone has to be first. They were very clear and pressureful on that. Someone has to be the decision maker, the first. They, they pressured us with that thought. Someone's got to be first. And I look at this and I look at Jesus and I ask myself, guess who never, guess who was never concerned about being first? Guess who never told us to be first? Guess who was famous for saying the first shall be last. Guess who humbled himself and made a servant of himself to wash his own followers' feet? The people who followed him, he humbled himself. That person is the reason we're all here, Jesus Christ. As we get into this passage and we see the breakdown, verses 22 to 24, they focus on wives. Then verses 25 to 33, they focus on husbands, men. May we recognize a quick thought there. A lot more is written to us than to wives, right? We probably need that, of course. Now, when we get into this passage, it becomes that desire with everything else to say, who is first, right? We want to focus on who is first. These verses have been used for years in our culture to hold women in their place, right? These are the verses that we often aren't sure what to do with. Do they empower the right things or the wrong things? We're not really sure. We kind of cringe about them. We sometimes want to avoid them. What is the truth? What do we do with them? Through my studies and my understanding of this, In this moment in history, specifically Paul speaking to the Ephesians, a culture statement doesn't need to be made by Paul in this moment. An understanding of the rules and roles doesn't need to be made. Let me explain that because I know I talk with a Pennsylvania Dutch accent sometimes. So rules and rules, whatever. So the rules being like the things, the, the, the place that we have, the rule in life, my status, my place in life, and then the rules in life, meaning how are the, what are the things that we follow, the things that we have to do, those are the rules. So the rules and rules, a, a statement of those two things does not need to be made by Paul in this moment because those things are clearly defined by by the culture. They are clearly defined. This statement doesn't need to be made in that direction because people aren't really venturing far outside of this. They are not allowed. They are not able to. They can't exist that way. What we actually see is that Paul does something rather odd. In other writings about households at this time, they would only address men They would only address men because why would you address women? They're not going to be able to read this anyways, right? Like, why would you allow that to happen? And so they would only address men. But here, Paul not only addresses women, he addresses them first. He addresses them first. Whoa. And Paul's most shocking words are not those about wives. They are those to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives. He has to say that. That truth for them to hear is necessary. What do we get from this? My heart goes into this passage and I say to myself, what what is Paul 
What does God want us to understand in this moment? What he wants us to hear is he's not teaching us ways to kind of force submission. And as we say that word submission, right, we don't even like it because usually it feels forced, right? Usually it feels like something we're pushed into. No, this, this is not about forcing certain rules or rules into people's lives. This is about expressing a heart that we all, no matter what our relationship, our place in a household is, we all can grasp. And it's very, very simple. To be like Jesus Christ means that for all of us, there must be a desire, a natural, heartfelt, open willingness through love and care and grace to mutually submit to one another. In this passage, Paul was not worried about who was first. He was concerned about all of us choosing to gracefully, lovingly, respectfully choose, like Jesus Christ, to be last. To say for these people who mean so much to me, these relationships that I care so much about, I will choose because of my love for Jesus Christ, who he is, how I want to be like him, out of respect for what he's done for me, I choose to be last. If you're concerned in your marriage, in your household, in your relationships, if you're concerned about being first, about being the decision maker, the one who gets their way or their say, you are losing and you have forgotten why you're there to begin with. In all our households and relationships, if we are pursuing being first, we are pursuing failure. Now I get it. It's not always easy and I know my opinion's really good. It really is. It's really good opinion, right? And I know that and I, and I, I want my way a lot of times. I feel that. Sometimes if I go beyond my marriage but I go to those other relationships where, I mean, there's times where I just, it's my right to be first, Right? I don't know about you, but this, this creeps in. I have extended family, and I don't know about you, but we've gone through times with extended family where there's inheritance from this grandparent or cousin or person or another, and I've been in those struggle moments, and I've actually seen a moment, and I don't know why it clicks more with me. It probably does for you too, not about my own inheritance, but I've seen someone else in my family kind of have something promised, and it didn't work out, and like, right? Like, and like, that was someone I love and cared. So you want to get angry about it, right? Creates a stress in the relationship, doesn't it? The stress starts in my heart. My desire to be right, to have my say, to be first. Wonder what happens for all of us if we simply take a step back We say in these relationships where we have these moments of stress, what if I don't want to be first? If I came in last here, what would this stress, what would this moment look like? I understand that there are times where tough decisions need to be made, where a household faces a decision. How do you do that as a household? I want to encourage you, you do it together. If there is a sin decision, a sin issue decision, I encourage you to stand your ground as a follower of Jesus Christ. But if it is a financial, career, future, whatever other kind of decision, I encourage you to make that decision together. And if you can't come to it together, 
that probably means that God is telling you to wait. Something I know very clearly in my marriage is if God wants to tell me something and it's for our family, he will tell my wife, Julie, the same thing. It doesn't always happen at the same time. Our family's decision to move here, God told it to me probably a week and a half before he told it to Julie and we started to converse and we started to have that, but it happened. And if he never said it to her, I'd have to step back and say, did I just have a bad taco or Chinese food or something, right? Like what? Because if God can say it to me, he can say it to her too and he can bring us both there. Yes, he can. I encourage you to take note of this. Harmony comes to a household through and only through mutual submission. And what does Paul show us here through all these verses that mutual submission looks like? It is deciding to put the other individual first. Not being first, deciding to be last. That is what this is about. It's okay preaching so far, right? It's, it's all right, right? You okay with everything? No one hates me in this moment? That's okay, all right? If it is, it's too late. That's okay. You can throw things at me later. We're gonna continue on if that's okay. Let's be reminded of our three words. We've covered the first one, the big one, submission. Say it back if you would. Selfishness. 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 Sacrifice. You might still have questions about how a household should run, how we should work in these relationships together, who's in charge my wife, Julie, and I have this ongoing joke because before we were married, I stated over and over again how much I loved to do laundry and how I was good about laundry and I was going to do laundry all the time in our marriage. Guess who does like no laundry at all? This guy. Yeah, it just has not worked out that way. Um, I sometimes fold laundry, but not nearly right, not even close to enough, not even close to what I should. But there are, there is a balance because there are things that I I do, that I didn't expect to do. The big one probably for me, cat litter box, right? Yeah, like that was never, that was, that was never a part of my life. I never had cats. I grew up with a German shepherd. Yeah, fantastic, right? And so that's like how I was raised. Cats weren't a part of my life. That's not something I like. But guess what? Our family loves our cat. And guess who's sensitive to smells and all of those things? And so guess who takes care of this cat litter box? Yeah, this guy, not on my list, not on my desire, but we, we recognize this. If you're looking for the roles that you're supposed to have in your household for all of us, whatever part we play, I want you to know you've come to the wrong place because I'm not going to tell you those things. I don't know those things. Who should be in charge of budget and finances and dishes and cleaning ceilings and caring for cars and making the money and all those things? You have to work that out for yourself, right? That's where communication, that's where connection works, that's where counseling is huge. One of my biggest things in premarital counseling, if I get that chance, is just to raise as many topics as possible for that couple so they can talk it out, right? Communicate as much as you can before time. I encourage you to do that now. This is the thought that I can give you through all of this, though, that, that applies to every single one of us, no matter what relationship and, and household we are a part of. I encourage you to hold on to this because this is key. All of this passage of Scripture reveals to us one very clear truth that is there for everyone, no matter what our role is. We are all in a battle with selfishness. Selfishness is at the root of what destroys households. No household can be truly Christ-like with a member who is acting on their own selfishness. We recognize this submission is first to Christ and second our mutual submission to each other is the only way to overcome selfishness in a marriage, in a household, in any relationship. James chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. It says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But there is a way through this, right? 
Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I wonder for you, So we have that word selfishness, you think about those relationships in your life right now that might be bringing you stress. What part has our own selfishness played in that relationship and in that stress? What part has our selfishness played into it? We had three words, right? Submission, selfishness, and sacrifice. We recognize that submission, when it comes to selfishness, selfishness is kind of the opposite, right, of submission. Selfishness is is the thing that battles against our ability to freely and willingly in our heart desire to submit. And that is what Paul asks of us, right, to willingly desire to do that. And if you're fighting against that, if you're not liking anything this morning, if you're having that gut check, if you're feeling turning away, what do we recognize that is? We're battling and we all do it and it's okay. We battle with our selfishness in that. But there's a third word because it's the thing that attacks selfishness. It is that thing that brings balance to our hearts in this. What does this passage of scripture say? It says in verse 25, it says, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. He sacrificed. Sacrifice is how we keep our tendency for selfishness in check. Sacrifice does that. Intentional, purposeful sacrifice. Sacrifice has saved each and every one of us. It was through sacrifice that God illustrated his love. It was through sacrifice that Jesus saved our souls. It was through sacrifice that sin and darkness and death were defeated. And right now I tell you this. It will be through sacrifice that you will create a healthy household. It is through sacrifice that you can bring restoration to your relationships. Right now, I know that some of us are facing brokenness, possibly in our marriage, possibly with our children, our parents, possibly just in our extended family, maybe even brokenness here in our church family. There's a relationship there that is not where you want it to be, and you feel the stress of it. God has a plan forward for you. He can bring healing to any and every relationship. He wants to. He is a God who heals and restores. If you are looking for that for your life, I encourage you, the answer is in the example of Jesus Christ. Not being first, intentionally being last, intentionally sacrificing who you are, of what you have, and of what you do for that other individual who you say, I want to put you first. I want to put you before myself in my life. Sacrifice is the key to saving our households. As we close, I can only kind of give you my own personal heart in this. Many of you here have had the pleasure of meeting my wife, Julie. She sits back here to my right, your left. Those of you who do know that I married way up that she is by far the best part of my marriage and our household. She is by far the best part. And you're not going to fight me on that because you know it's true and you, you recognize that. And so we can agree on that. We have had a wonderful marriage. 
it's, it's fantastic and wonderful. I, I won't say that it's, it's perfect, but it is, is wonderful and it is a blessing. And every day there are more reasons why God has blessed me. There have been moments, right? We have had our, our moments. And then those moments, they happen. And if I can be clear with you, as we get through those moments and I come out on the other side, I'm usually left with one very clear thought. That moment could have been and it should have been nothing if not for one thing active in that moment. My selfishness. I stand before you and I admit very clearly to you the greatest threat to my marriage, the greatest threat to my children, the greatest threat to the households and families that I partake in is me and my selfishness. It is me. But I also stand before you and I want you to know that I will not allow my selfishness to be the thing that stops my household from being healthy. I will not. And so I will regularly, intentionally practice sacrificing for those that I love. Putting myself not first, but intentionally being last wherever possible. Because I know what God can and will do in a relationship, in a home, in a church where we submit to one another. So as we close, I encourage you in this. If you've never done it before, I encourage you to join me in confessing that simple truth. I am selfish sometimes, and it is the greatest threat to my loved ones and our relationships. And then I encourage you and empower you in this truth. God is good, and he is strong, and he wants to work in your lives and relationships. He wants to heal the brokenness. And so as we leave here today, leave here driven, today, this week, with your time, with your resources, with your money, some of us, guys, probably some of us need to open up our wallet, right? And I encourage you to sacrifice, to make the clear statement. I am last. Be first in my life. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, God above, God, I pray over the relationships here this morning. I pray over the households and the individuals and the people who, God, they, they believe in you. They have a chance to serve you in such a real clear way. You can come alive in relationships and households and families. God, I pray unity over these families and relationships. Where there is brokenness, bring healing. Where there is hurt, let forgiveness reign. For those of us concerned about being first, break that desire. Help us to make ourselves last. God, with all of us here, we ask that you would fill us with a desire to move forward in life, 
move forward in relationships, God, some of us have a clear relationship on our heart and mind this morning. There was stress this morning, or there was stress yesterday, or there was stress this week, and we have that relationship on our mind. Allow us to move forward with a desire to intentionally, purposely sacrifice to submit to the other person. Not because maybe we're wrong or any of those things, God, but because we recognize it's what Jesus did. It's his example. It's who he is. We want to be like him. Bless us in those endeavors, God. Fill our hearts. Empower our efforts. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.